<laughs> okay. Um, we uh, we got through a few verses last time. We're going to pick it up uh, at verse ten, is where we're going to study. In, in, we're in Colossians chapter three, and in order to get a running start on it, I thought it'd be a good idea if we read through the first. Uh, well, from verses five to verse fifteen. Uh, I don't know if we'll make it that far. I kind of doubt it. The way that the my study has gone this week and. For as uncomfortable as my feet have been, having been stepped on quite a bit by the Holy Spirit, um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll take a look at that. It, does anyone just out of curiosity? Does anyone else want to read the scripture for us today? Just five through fifteen. Of Holy Christ. Spirit stepped on your feet. Yeah, the Holy Spirit oh. did a good job was, of stomping on it. Was he heavy? Yes, he was very heavy at times. It wasn't I'll read like it. How much does the spirit weigh, right? Uh, well, in, in my particular case, it felt like a ton. But Can um, I use the message? If, if, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm man. kidding, I'm kidding. No, I, I'm not. You not. Not for what we're going to do, but uh, anyhow, if you so desire, I'll let you. No, no takers going once. Yeah, I'll, I'll read. You, what, 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 yeah, I'll read. Five we're, we're, in, we're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. Anyone got it? Who's going to do it? All right. I'll do it. Well, we'll split it. We'll split it up. You take take half, oh, and I'll, I'll finish. Go ahead. I don't like. I hate splitting it up. Just go ahead and read. It's only a few more. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth: fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things, sake the wrath of God cometh upon the sons of disobedience, in the which you also once walked when you lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to, one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perf perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Okay. Amen. All right. So, um, in, in verses 9 and verses 10, it talks about the old self and the new self. And, and uh, Larry, you were reading the King James. What What is the, uh, when it says new, is it, what's it say there? I don't remember the 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 actual translation there in the king james verse 10 verse 10 yeah what's that say there and, and have put on the new man but the, okay. the man's in italics okay all right good good okay so what we're talking about here is is a uh, is uh, uh some bible scholars talk about the fact that there's a new man and an old man some say that it's a uh, uh, some of the translations talk about self or nature. 
and uh, instead, uh, the, the, and I think, uh, as I, and I used to think, you know, we, we have the old man living in us and we have the new man living in us and, and there's this war between them and all. It's a, it's a great story. I just don't think that it's true because we're told that we're dead to ourselves when we accept Christ and we're, we're raised to new life with a new nature, a new selfness, if you will, um, when we uh, are accepted in Christ. And as such, uh, it would seem that um, uh, that the term that to equate the terms of old and new self with natures goes beyond what what one scholar says is is acceptable evidence. Uh, it's in, in as I understand it from my my limited study of Scripture today in the last few days. It would seem that I can't find where they're ever that wherever they appear together, um, and, and I could be wrong on that, but that was my, that's my take. The the old self and the new self are never described as coexisting with one another. One replaces the other, and finally, the old self is is never a proper description of of believers because the believers are supposed to be a totally new person. So. The, the question then is, how does that work? And uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the scripture, in the Greek, the term for old means old in years or belonging to the past. So if we think of this as the old nature or the old person or the old self, uh, we're thinking about something that's in the past. And then in the word new, there's actually two different words that are used to describe new. New is in neos, which we get the idea. You ever heard the term uh, neo-orthodoxy, new, the new orthodoxy? Um, that's a term that's bandied about by uh, Bible scholars and, and uh, Bible leaders. Uh, we also have another part of new, which doesn't necessarily mean new. It means new in quality. And so what you have here is you have, um, uh, I'm trying to find it real quickly here. And of course, I, um, it looks as though we have a new, uh, a new self it is in brand new and it's new also in its quality of life. So it, both are used in description of the new. So we have a totally new person and we have this issue of the old self is a pre-Christian state. The new self is supposed to be the Christian state of what we are today. So um, Paul, it would seem that Paul uses the old self as synonymous with unregenerate. And, he, and it would seem that he uses the new self to point to conversion and regeneration. Now, the question then, which at least came to me, then why do I sin? You know, if, if, the, if the old self is dead, why do I sin? I think that the way that this is decided is the fact that believers will continue to sin, but it's not described as the old self. Sin happens because of the imperfect process of growth in the new self. We That's just have true. To grow. I'm sorry. 
That's true because Paul says put on and doesn't say you put it on once. It's a continuous encouragement to put on something. Yeah. Like he says in Ephesians to put the armor of God on a daily basis. That means in in our lives we'll be going through temptation, trials, tribulations, and so on. So it's a daily exercise, like like it's a daily exercise, sanctification, mm-hmm. in order that uh, we don't fall in a trap that the enemy sets in front of us. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we have here is a process of growth, and the process is to become changed into the likeness of Christ. And some of us are further along in certain areas in our lives, and others are maybe uh, further along in other areas. But in addition to a process, there's also a goal with growth. What's the goal? I think the goal is this. The goal is knowledge. Now, not knowledge like the, like the Gnostics were talking about. Oh, I get a, better, a newer form of knowledge. I'm better than you. No. The knowledge is what allows us to become like Christ because as we know who he is, we then apply that information, that new knowledge, to our lives. Um, we are we are told that we are to grow into the image of the Creator uh, in um, in uh, three ten, um, according to uh, uh, Genesis one and two. The Father is the Creator. Uh, the epistle uh, in this epistle in chapter one, we're told that Christ is the Creator. Um, I think that what we have is as we study that we have the Father who planned the creation. And the son who brought it into existence, maybe, maybe, and maybe this is a bad um, way of, of uh, describing it, but I think that perhaps the, the way of describing it is that maybe God is the architect and Jesus is the builder. Master builder. I'm sorry? Master builder. Yeah, master builder, sure. Yeah. So the, the other thing we have here is that we need to have a, a, a prominence of knowledge. By the way, knowledge in and of itself is not enough. In fact, according to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, knowledge is one of the things that puffs us up. I get real proud if I, if I have. There's one of my potential concerns about Christian schools. I went to a Christian school from the time I was in junior high until I, I graduated with my doctorate. So I, I think I have a, a semi, some idea of what Christian schools are like. And one of the things that is, is a danger in a Christian school, regardless of what area, level of education you're at, is that they teach the Bible like it's a textbook versus a life book. And if all you get is knowledge, and I have a whole lot of knowledge that I can regurgitate on a test, I get to thinking I really know a lot about a lot about God and a lot about the Bible. But if I never apply it to my life, is it of any value? That was the Pharisees issue, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, and, and, it's, and it's, it's easy, I think, for us to fall into that trap. We always have to, we always have to take the knowledge we have and then apply it. Um, when, when I was doing my doctoral work, we, we would, we would study. Okay. And, uh, and then, 
at the end of each session, uh, you know, think of semester kind of idea. One of the things that, that we had to do is we had to put on a practicum. The practicum was the practice of what we had studied. Did we understand how to apply it? And at the very end of the of the the whole thing, when we graduated, the last thing we did was we actually put on an entire worship service from start to finish as to how we built it and why we built it. And we had to do it as a team. Now that can be both good and bad because we were talking about probably in our particular class, there was probably 10 different denominations all trying to say, how do we worship in a way that's functional and appreciated by all of us? <laughs> the, the class before us almost didn't graduate because they got so into the fact that, well, you're not doing it the way my denomination says it ought to be done. They almost came to blows. And they almost told them they couldn't graduate. They had, <laughs> so now they had a worship service, but before the worship service, they had to have a come to Jesus meeting, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of sad, but, but it does happen. We, we struggle sometimes with that. So knowledge in and of itself is okay, but knowledge without anything else is a problem. So what is this now? What is this the new that's being renewed in knowledge? That's literally what, what um, uh, verse 10 talks about. Well, I think there's about, oh, I don't know, uh, five points that I'll make on that while I'm thinking about it here. First thing is it means that new life does not come of a, does not come to us as a result of a successful daily battle with temptation. It's a new life that, rather, I think the new life marks the beginning of, or the starting point. It does you know, I don't think Paul t urges the Colossians to amend their life for the better or to reform their ways or to make minor modifications in the way they live. No, he wants their whole nature to be changed. And God wants our whole nature to be changed. By the way, that doesn't happen in our own strength. You, you, you know that, right? At least if you've tried, I've tried and I've failed multiple times. I think the other thing is, in, it, I love Larry's uh, in the King James where it says to mortify. That's the idea of putting to death. It, it's, it's a continual mortification uh, of what is already dead, but it, you have to continually actualize it to and and to understand that it's already exists there already exists a new creation and this is an enduring process an ongoing process and an imperative that we need to put on the new constantly put on the new so this renewing might eliminate um, the ones uh, they believe once you elect there's no more nothing else to do Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that also takes into account some of the things like, uh, it, you know, hyper-Calvinism, where you go, right. well, I got saved, I don't have to do anything, I don't have to lead exactly. anybody to the Lord, I don't have to present the, the gospel, because God will bring the people he wants. Well, God left us with some responsibilities. It's and, the activity of the sanctification, to, yeah. be, to be renewed. Yep. That means you shouldn't be what it were yesterday, that means... The renewing keeps on going, and you keep on growing. Mm -hmm. and, and 
it also means that uh, actually you are doing the will of God by growing, by renewing, by fighting with, if you will, with a new sharp sword. Mm. Well, that's the, it, that's the word of God, which is, is, is right. able to separate the bone and the marrow, isn't it? Right, right. Like, uh, for instance, uh, I'm here. Well, something is happening over there still. Isidore and Giuseppe, they're going to have an event in September uh, by using all the material that I have in the apartment <laughs> and going to the communities uh, by giving clothes and whatever they have at, to their disposal there and giving the word of God at the same time, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see that it's going on. You know, I wish Absolutely. to be there. <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, you know, even if it's beautiful up here. In God's but at the same time, time I, have to, I have to think about myself. What kind of growth there is, or there's a stump in, in the growth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a necessary thing. Uh, how you put in practice or practicum your. Uh, Christian life and if you're growing in it yeah and and the practicum practicum actually shows what's going on mm-hmm mm -hmm. another another point that comes out of this is that the uh, in the Greek this is what they call the passive voice which indicates that this renewal process is done as not as the result of our own efforts it's done as the result of the efforts of, of God in our lives which by the way we can fight which is when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we put off the Holy Spirit, when we, are, when we refuse to allow God to reign in our lives as King and Lord and Master. <clears throat> but when it, it is the handiwork and the creation of God in us. The new nature is God's gift to us. But it, it's, um, it happens as a result of our, not as a result of our will or, or our power, uh, or our self-actualization, which happens often in a lot of, a lot of churches, um, it happens as a result of letting the Holy Spirit do its work in His work in us. And then number four, I would say the knowledge of God, of God's Son, and of God's ways are critical for living a life that's pleasing to God. The the the, the fullness of knowledge, the 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 information that we get is a byproduct of our renewal in Christ and our renewal on a daily basis. If we don't renew, we're not going to grow. It's that simple. It's the whole idea of keeping, staying attached to the vine. And then finally, as we've, I've already kind of already alluded to that. And that is that simply that renewal comes from being joined with Christ because Christ is the image of God, the father. Remember, Philip says to Jesus at one point, he says, you know, show us the Father and it's enough. And, and Jesus kind of, you know, I almost feel like Jesus kind of shaking his head. Philip, haven't you understood by now? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am, I and my Father are one. All right. So let's take a look. Um, uh, I would just say this as, as we are formed in God's image, we are deformed in God's image because of sin. 
but we are being transformed or retrans reformed into God's image again as a result of Christ's gift to us. So we're formed in God, we were formed in God's image. We were deformed from God's image because of sin. We're being transformed back into God's image as a result of the renewal of our life in Christ. Like that? I thought it worked out pretty good. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this aspect of unity in Christ. Notice that it, I think this is in verse... Verse 11 says, there's, either, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This speaks to unity in our church. Different. Well, Sorry? What is this unity in our church? It speaks to unity that we should have in our church. <laughs> ah, okay. Let me, let me sure. just... <laughs> I'm virtually reaching out and slapping you. <laughs> uh, so uh, here's what, here's, as I've looked at this. Gentleness, Gal. Gentleness. Yes. Gentleness. It's going to be a gentle slap, yeah. Yes, you have to be the Christian <laughs> that I like you to be. Okay, you want me to be the Christian you want me to be? Right. Okay, like I'll try. Mm, of course, I've been accused of being very trying at times. Right. <laughs> yeah. What? All right. So what are some of, what's going on here? I think there's a comparison, a set of comparisons going on here. And, and so let's talk about this. First of all, we're talking about there's no more nationalities. There's neither Greek nor Jew. No yeah. more nationality. Um. You could say there's no more ethnic differences between people, is what, is what Paul is saying here. He goes on to say that th there's no recognition of former religious differences, circumcision or uncircumcision. Are you, uh, what kind of, how do you practice your religion? Right. That's, that's put aside. There, there's also no cultural differences. And, and, and that is the barbarian and the Scythian. Now, this is an interesting point. Barbarian and Scythian, Greeks considered all non-Greeks barbarians. It didn't mean that you were like, we talk about the barbarians that came down from, you know, from uh, Germany and, and other parts of the north and came through and, and wiped out, you know, took over Rome. We're not Conan. talking about Visigoths. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah, Conan and the Barbarians. No, we're, we're, a barbarian was anybody who wasn't civilized, and a civilized person was what the Greeks considered themselves. Anybody else was considered a barbarian. In addition to that, Scythians were, were also considered barbarians, and they were, they were even worse. The Scythians were uh, Mongolian folks on the, on the, the plains of, of Central uh, Asia around the Black Sea and that sort of thing. You think of, think of like, I'm not sure this is an accurate description, okay, if anyone's going to test me on Scythians and this, but think of like Genghis Khan, you know, mm -hmm. the Mongols, you know, they're, they're the hordes that are attacking. We're talking about really, uh, they, they were nomadic, uh, nomadic tribe that, that traveled. They were considered incredibly uh, um, 
they, they would attack at a moment's notice. They, they were uh, very, uh, you know, uncouth, I guess, would be a good way of saying it. They're way beyond that. But think about this. They are, they are the lowest of the lowest. In fact, it's, it's believed that, that they were also, they had been in, uh, enslaved, some of them, and that when they were enslaved, that they were, um, um, uh, that they were also part of the church there, and perhaps in in Colossians, in, in Colossae, that that Colossae had Scythians as part of their their group. So he goes on to say that that even the even the cultural differences are no longer di are, are are no longer sustained. Um, in Christ, a person's cultural status is no advantage and should be no disadvantage. And then additionally, the last thing is no economic or political status is, is, is recognized in Christ. Bond or free. It, it, Paul made it clear that, that it didn't matter. In fact, Paul went on to say that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, I'll just read it real quickly. If you want to turn there, you're more than welcome to. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 20 through 23 Paul makes it clear that, that a slave should try to get his freedom if possible. It's going to be important that when, when we finish Colossians, we're going to go into uh, Philemon, which is going to be a discussion of, of uh, admitting a person back, a slave who ran away, who went back to his master as a result of coming to Christ. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, it says, everyone should remain in the situation which he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Again, if you can gain your freedom, do so. Or he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was a freeman when he was called is, is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Sounds pretty, uh, pretty simple. Uh, our problem is practicing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically what I think this, this says to me is that you, you shouldn't be considered, you shouldn't handicap yourself spiritually because of your social position. But isn't it said often, and I think it's true, uh, that churches are the most segregated places every Sunday. Yeah, I think. At Ned, I've, I've been to lots of churches, and they're certainly segregated. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, means that what? We're, We're not, not doing our job. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, there's a, there's a story of a pastor, and I, I believe it was true. I won't swear to it. It might be apocryphal, but it's a great story about a, a new pastor that joined the church became the new pastor of the church and it was his first Sunday there. Now, how they managed to pull this off, I don't know, because it apparently was chosen to be the new senior pastor without ever having spoken to the people in the church. He was selected by the board and this would be his first Sunday there. And so uh, as before the service starts, a gentleman comes in who looks like he is a homeless person off the street. I remember the story. Yeah. yeah. Dirty and clothes. He is yeah. ignored and, uh, and you know, pushed to the side. <coughs> he has, he, no one wants to have anything to do with him. 
He looks rough. He looks, you know, look like he's spent a week on the streets. Uh, his clothes are tattered and torn. Um, he's got a, uh, you know, a few days growth of beard on his face. And he's sitting there all by himself in the church service until they announce that the pastor is coming up to speak, the new pastor, and up walks the bum. <laughs> Oops. That's great. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> Did they throw the bum out? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't stay there very long. For some reason, he was, you know. But, the but elders got about, together. <laughs> think about what that says. I can remember visiting a church. I won't say the church. It wasn't one that any of you attend, but it was one here in the area. And I was in the, we were between church, between ministries and we were looking for a church to attend. So we went to this one, I went to this one church. For whatever reason, my wife decided that, that she didn't want to go that particular Sunday. I think she was, I don't know. I don't remember all the reasons. Maybe she was ill. Uh, so I walk into this church and um, I sit in the back and I'm all by myself. I'm sitting right on the aisle, and a, a group of folks come in. They and they and they they keep pouring into the, the the row, and pretty soon they all they all sit down. We we I had stood to to give them space to to sit down, and to to move across, you know, and uh, so I go to sit down. There's no room for me to sit there. <laughs> Now, no one had said a word to me up to this point, other than the fact they just kind of pushed me out of the pew. So I went down to another spot, and the same thing happened in another spot. <laughs> so I ended up sitting like three rows from the front, you know, where there was plenty of room. That's where you're fine, whatever. But I was, you know, a greeting time, no one greeted me. You know, I left the, the, I left the service at the end of the service, and I'm walking out, and I've I've got a pastor who's shaking my hand, telling me it was so nice to have me here here today. I don't want to come back, and I'm going not in your life. <laughs> now, you had no idea who I was, and it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't treat you shouldn't treat visitors that way. Isn't it interesting sometimes how we do things? I always thought it'd be, I always thought that story would be great if I could if I ever took a church. Wouldn't it be great if you came in as a, a homeless man <laughs> and then went up to preach? I probably wouldn't work too well. <laughs> so think about this: we are we should not be handicapped spiritually because of our social position, and yet so often we do. James talks about that. That book I love to hate. He talks about the fact that when we come into a certain, you know, we come in, if we're rich, we give them, we give them a, a position, a place of position, place of honor. People that aren't rich, we give them a place of dishonor, you know, further down on the table. And the, the point is, wouldn't it be better for us to sit in a lowly place and someone say, hey, no, we would like for you to come up onto the dais and, and instead of thinking that's where we belong is on the dais? You know, when I when I pastored, um, I always made it a point, not that it really mattered that much, but I always made it a point because I didn't want people, some people would want you to go to the front of the line, you know, when you're having a, a potluck. And no, 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 that's okay. I'm here to greet the folks. I'd be shaking hands and talking to people in line. And when everyone got through, that's when I would go through. I did it on purpose. Yeah. You know, it, it, was it symbolic? Yeah, it really was symbolic. But I wanted to point out the fact that I wasn't that important. And I wanted the other people to, to, to have a chance to get through the line. 
and then I'd take whatever was left over. So didn't like you apparently didn't miss too much. I'm just saying. No, I didn't. And often, <laughs> often, it, often they would give me a lot of the leftovers to take home, which was awesome. <laughs> I am evil. <laughs> yeah, people were people. Sometimes were very were, were very generous, and sometimes they weren't so generous. But anyhow. So when we build a fellowship, should we build the fellowship based upon? what we look like or what we don't look like? Should we build a fellowship based upon our physical characteristics, our national heritage, color. our social structure? I remember being at one church. I, I swear I felt like I was at a country club. <laughs> Big church at the time. It was, it was well attended. You know, it was, it was Back in the, man, it had to be back in the 70s, 80s, early 80s, maybe, 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And they were running three, 4,000 in attendance. You know, but it was like, and citizen classes were like country clubs. You know, you had to, depending upon what you were, if you were a banker, you went to this class. And if you were a shop worker, you went to that class. And if you were, a, it, it, it was, it was all separated by, basically by, by your social standing, you know, it's really weird. Some, sometime you were dressed, uh, uh, what are you going after church? Oh, I'm going golfing already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, it was a, it was a, it was a fashion show when you went to that church. It was, it was an interesting church. I mean, it was a good church in many ways, but in many ways it was kind of weird. We went there for a short time. Anyhow. All right. So let's see how are we doing here. Talked about this, talked about the new, talked about old. All right, let's get to. Thank goodness, Paul didn't choose a religion. He didn't put the religion on the forefront when yeah. he talks about this, the, the so called differences. Otherwise, well, actually, it did happen in Corinth, you know, because somebody says he's following Paul, somebody's following Apollos. Yeah, and we we're doing it, and I don't know why that it drives me nuts. You know, uh, of this, oh, we are Methodists. Okay, you have a method to do the church. Okay, that's great. We're Baptist. Okay, you, your your denomination believes in baptism by immersion in a special way, and so and so on and so forth. Um, and nobody's willing to say, you know what? I received the good news and I follow the master. I didn't receive Paul and I'm following Paul. Why don't we follow the gospel? Just the gospel for crying out loud. Well, follow which the gospel? gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John's gospel? Which gospel there you do go. you follow? Oh, okay, let's, let's follow the, the guy of the gospel. Maybe it's better, you know. Maybe the, the guy that the gospel's about, huh? Yep, that's it. It will be much simpler. It will, it will go a lot further, actually. A really, lot further. Really, the gospel is just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. 
Yeah. Right. Right. So. And that's defined as good news. Yeah. Good news. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it well, is good, good news. news for us. It's good news for it, us. It provides a way back to Christ or back to God the Father, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, when you when you think about the gospels and the people he met and reached, I mean, he wasn't in a religious very few times. He's out with them, that's what the Pharisees used to complain. You know, mm -hmm. the religious people hated that he was with the sinners, the you know. Yeah. And he says, hey, the well people don't need a physician. You know? <laughs> and right. The, it, he just, was with everybody. Exactly. With everybody. And, and it's over and over in the epistles uh, that Paul writes. And even, you know, <laughs> we, we so segregate ourselves. And churches, as you all mentioned, have done mm -hmm. the same thing. And when we're, we're to reach everybody, yeah. um, there's no such thing. Jeez. Um, we get sometimes you got your the difference though is between preference and prejudiced. As long as you're not you're right. prejudiced, <laughs> everybody has a preference of how they function. And what, right. most, what most people do is they gather where they feel the preferences are close to them. Right, George. Right, right on the right on the on the nail. And, and uh, the, yeah. the the potential problem with that is that when we do that, is that we have a, a tendency to to not be comfortable with people that aren't like us right because they're not our and, and that becomes that becomes an issue that becomes wrong just like in so, a service you might have a song that you like and other songs you don't like doesn't mean the songs are wrong my yeah. preference is different yeah or a style right yeah <clears throat> you know well i think we we all get reached differently Sometimes yeah. the Holy Spirit, we're all at different points of our walk. And sometimes what reaches me differently may not reach you. Yep. And that's, that's huge. And that's the, the freedom of the spirit. And, and it's, it's spirit that reveals. Um, it's just like in our walk. Sometimes you may do something and realize, mm -hmm. you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, because mm -hmm. things get revealed to you as you grow. Yeah. Um, you know, wisdom once in a while comes in. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while. <laughs> that's the way. Seems like wisdom yeah. is often beat into me with a two by four. <laughs> that's the only they way. Said it. It. <laughs> it says wisdom is always sitting there talking to us, though. Yeah. Right. Well, Bali, you remember when we went to Sardinia? We met yeah. different strata of people. Mm hmm. People that nothing, people that something, and people that they thought they had everything, and they were looking on us from top to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Oh, I felt it. I I knew it. And then I discovered. Then I discovered later more, you know. But it was liberating to us because we were there, serving. Mm -hmm. That's it. We were serving. We weren't serving only the refugee. We weren't serving only the Christian. And we, we were able to touch different stratas of people. It's true, we didn't stay and we left because of time constriction. But that's the beauty of it. You know, I just received um, an email from the base. I hope you can return soon. You know, we miss you mm. because we know what you guys are doing. And uh, 
you appreciate that because they realize the reason we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And we, it's not us. It's for the ones that are still, they're far off. They're not near. Yep. As and if it says for the one. Right. That's the same I, I put a, to reach one more for Christ. Mm -hmm. Just one more. And that's for what we should strive. I know it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, until you have the last breath, you should be the beacon of hope for someone. I don't care who you are. You can be rich, you can be poor. The, what should distinguish us should be love. And Paul, Paul says it very clearly. You can be whatever you want, but if you don't have love, you're not. You're not. You know. And yeah, it doesn't have to be love according to Giuseppe or to Val or to Rick or to George or to whomever. Is love. And that's the only way we can accomplish our calling in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's so simple. Mm -hmm. Be liberating. That's it. That's it. Was George's comment about the wisdom speaking to us? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the Bible, there's a lot of talk uh, about the fact that wisdom and the Holy Spirit are the, are the same. And the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit speaking to us as well, giving us wisdom. And, and even in Colossians here, it, it talks about, uh, you know, uh, admonish one another with all wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking about Proverbs 8, where it says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in of doors. Unto, unto you, O men, I call my voice to the sons of men. O you simple, understand wisdom, and you fools, be of understanding heart. Basically, that's what I was talking about. Okay. Yep. Who is, the, is the Holy Spirit a sheep? Is it what? Is the Holy Spirit a she? Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom is referred to. Wh yeah, wisdom is often referred to as a she. Yeah. When you read oh. that verse. Yeah, but it is a, a, well, you know, we have a, <laughs> that's an interesting, let's not get into that discussion. Right. <laughs> we, have five, we have two minutes. Um, <laughs> And I was looking at the time. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm going, uh, that's, that, that's a rabbit trail I'm going to choose not to, <laughs> to run down. Thank you, Tom, but no. <laughs> Tom likes it when I go down rabbit trails. I think he wisdom that, like, you know, George was saying, like, wisdom calling out to us. I mean, isn't that what the Holy Spirit's constantly doing within us, is calling out to us and providing us counsel? And... Yeah. That's... What, what, is the, what is the beginning? The fear of the Lord is the fear beginning the of what? Wisdom. Knowledge. Wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom. Yeah. And so often. If any, if any, any lack of it, ask and God will give it. Well, that's patience. Thanks. No. James. <laughs> that's James. <laughs> hey, guys. Have a good day. Okay. Yeah. I got God bless you, Dan. Take care. Thanks. Thank you very much. See you Thursday. All right. Sounds good, Dave. Take All care. right. Yeah, then. God bless. Recording? Yeah, we need to begin to end the recording here.